This is the Dandelion Roots podcast, making connections after brain injury, personal insights and experiences with a performance poetry twist. Hey everybody. So this is the Dandelion Roots podcast and I thought for this episode I would do something a little different. Most of my podcasts are very structured. They're very well edited, shall we say, and composed. Um, And I think with that, there comes a lot of misconception about what it really looks like to have a brain injury. You know, the poetry and the expression itself of symptoms and day-to-day activities, that's fantastic. That's great. But when the podcast is so well constructed and it's pre-scripted, you know, and I took hours writing out exactly what I was going to say and then practice saying it, um, I don't really think that allows for others to understand the gaps that occur, the gaps in conversation, the gaps in ideas, the gaps in concepts and be able to get a coherent thought Um, The fact that my speech is patterned to help me avoid stuttering, to keep my brain from moving faster than my tongue and my lips. And there's a lot that's missed when everything is pre-constructed. You know, sometimes I'm having conversations with people and I just stop talking. And I don't necessarily realize I've stopped talking. And then a couple of minutes later, because, you know, they just kind of let that drop. You know, a couple of minutes later, I ask them for a response to something I thought I had said. And they look at me like, you didn't say that part out loud. You just stopped talking. You know, and these are the things that I think people don't see unless you're living with someone who has a brain injury, uh, unless you're living with them 24-7. It's very easy for me to go out into the public for one hour, maybe two, um, and to be able to cover for most of my symptoms, to be able to hide it, which, of course, gives a misrepresentation. You know, going out in public with my service dog, they're like, why do you even need him? You don't need a service dog. You're fine. Um, I get a lot of attitudes about, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. What are you talking about? What are you complaining about? We don't get this. We don't understand it at all. Um, And now, of course, if my nervous system gets overstimulated uh, while I'm in that public place, then that's a completely different conversation. Um, because then they get to see exactly what this looks like when my nervous system is overwhelmed, which happens so much more now, Um, but still not to the same extent that it did right after the brain injury five years ago. So I guess that's, you know, that's something. And... You know, but anyway, so it's really easy to cover. You know, you go out for an hour or two. And so then when 
um, other people who don't have brain injuries are like, yeah, I, I saw so-and-so in the store and she's, you know, she had her tag on her service dog, said brain injury alerts. And, and they're like, she was fine. I don't know what everyone's going on about, you know, that this is so hard or blah, blah, this or blah, blah, that. You know, it gives a misrepresentation because it can be hidden unless the system is overwhelmed. So one of the things that I want to talk about um, in recovering from a brain injury was, you know, I spent the first, gosh, the first 30 plus years of my life as an accomplished artist and writer. And then after the brain injury, those first couple of years, so the first two to three years, uh, there was a lot of physical therapy and there was a lot of occupational therapy in order for me to be able to relearn how to paint and to relearn how to express a coherent thought through words with a vocabulary uh, larger than explanatives to express my frustrations and my anger at the whole situation. You know, my particular injury occurred while I was at work. And I was an independent contractor. I was not signed up as an employee. So there was no workman's comp. There were no insurance payouts. Um, and there's a lot of days where I'm really angry that I stayed in that job too long, that I stayed there even after the injury when I wasn't given any accommodations when I really should just have left and figured it out instead of waiting for another series of unfortunate events to force uh, moving on in a different direction with my life. So getting back to the artworks, I know I went off on a, a tangent there. Um, getting back to the artwork, my designs now are super simple, you know, simple shapes, uh, fewer colors, the design schemes. Uh, I really like to paint nature um, because it's just a lot easier on the brain these days. But I spent a lot of years in the therapies to get, you know, to be able to do this again, to be able to write again, to be able to express myself through poetry again. Um, a lot of editing, a lot of rewrites, a lot of really hard work. Um, in the beginning with painting, you know, the first time I tried to go and do it, I s found that there are a lot of colors in the color palette that I can no longer tolerate. And I'm learning that's because of the effect those light waves have on the brain. So after a brain injury, the light waves of certain colors, like bright, bright cherry red, uh, can actually trigger the pain centers in the brain, which I thought was interesting. I thought I was just going crazy because the color red was constantly setting me off. And of course, I went through the house and I threw everything away or gave away everything that was red and reprimanded people who were still buying red things and bringing them into the house because I couldn't handle it. Um, so I found there were a lot of colors I couldn't work with anymore. So I started with uh, black and whites and scales of gray, uh, which, you know, was not, shall we say for an artist, 
is not um, the most thrilling. <laughs> you know, a color palette to work with when creating a piece of art. And then, of course, the movements of the brush. Those movements were really painful. Uh, motion for brain injury. An injured brain moves at a much slower pace. So to have a lot of fast movements like can happen with a paintbrush when you're in that flow and you've got that music playing and you're just vroom, 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 and, you know, with your art, it's really easy to get really erratic movements with that paintbrush. And that sets the brain spiraling, you know, whether it's pain or it's vertigo um, whether it's your equilibrium and your inability to stay vertical and, you know, having to go and take a nap and have a snack and hope this passes and hope nothing else shows up, you know, because of it. Um, you know, it was a very difficult process to relearn how to paint and to how to structure my words. And, of course, you know, when I talk about all the physical therapy and the occupational therapy, to go along with that, there isn't really any in mainstream medical care. You know, they have some eye exercises they can have you do, and, you know, there are those who will have benefit. Um, for me, I had to do specialized glasses, and I had to pay cash for all of it, of course, because my insurance wasn't going to cover it. And that was definitely not cheap. Um, but it was worth it to be able to tolerate more movement to simple things like, you know, um, things that are important for our own individual independence. As far as the painting and the writing goes, the therapies for that were just at home ideas that I would come up with, you know, to just try, you know, to wake up from a dream and say, oh, I want to try that. And, um, and then doing it and then working with it and seeing how it goes and how it doesn't go and all of that wonderful, those wonderful baby steps. And then with my writing, you know, I would have to proof things four or five times and then I would have to have somebody else proof it and then another person after that proof it to make sure that it didn't come across as gobbledygook, you know, are we still using those phrases? Um, that it looked coherent, that the words that were put in front of each other made sense, you know, that the sentence structure for the gra my grammar teacher in middle school would have been, she would have been appalled. Um, but, you know, the little things like that that so many people take for granted all become this huge struggle for someone after a brain injury. And, you know, not even just brain injury, uh, because there are a lot of learning disabilities out there, and these individuals struggle with a lot of the same concepts and ideas that those with brain injuries do. Um, a lot of people with PTSD struggle with the same concepts um, that people with brain injuries do. So I like to think that in 
talking about what is going on in this uh, recovery aspect from an injury doesn't apply to just me. It applies to anyone who's really experienced any kind of trauma that's turned their life upside down, any kind of PTSD or learning disabilities that they had to struggle through. And then, of course, this last year with the pandemic, um, that whole disconnectedness that everybody feels from each other and society as a whole, you know, being able to really understand what psychologists um, talk about, you know, how humans can go crazy in isolation and the experiments that I'm sure somebody did at some point along the way. Uh, I'm sure they weren't just gathering field notes. Um, but but that it's applicable to more than just me, I guess, and more than just people who have a brain injury. So I see that I'm coming up on my 13-minute mark, and I'm going to close it off here. I don't know if this particular episode will resonate with you or if you'll just say go back to your carefully crafted poetry uh, because it makes a lot more sense (laughs) than... uh, not having a well-edited and pre-planned podcast. But, you know, I thought it would maybe give a better window into the understanding of what can look like an invisible disability with those who don't have to see it or live with it 24-7. I hope this day finds you well, and we'll talk more soon. Show your support of the Dandelion Roots podcast with either a small monetary donation or by purchasing an art print at dandelionroots.biz. All art prints are processed through Fine Art America, so you can be rest assured of the quality of your print and the safety of your financial information. Thank you again for your support. This is the Dandelion Roots podcast. Mm-hmm.